0: You can support this podcast at patreon.com slash partners in crime media.
1: Rebecca, remember when I had that wedding invitation and the newspaper clipping and the shredded document and the napkin with a message on the back on the kitchen table? Yes. I wasn't planning a crime. I was trying to solve one.
2: I- that makes sense.
1: Dispatch by Breakout Games delivers all those things and more straight to your home told through clues dispatched to you in the mail. The story draws you in to solve a crime over several months of interactive investigation. Satisfy your curious mind with 50% off your first delivery. Go to breakoutdispatch.com writers and use the code writers to subscribe today.
2: Rebecca Lavoie and this is Crime Writers On, the podcast about other podcasts and also about true crime, pop culture, journalism. And this week we'll tear the lid off of Gimlet's new podcast, The Habitat. What happens when would-be astronauts stop being polite and start getting real? And we'll give our snap judgment on the beginning of Westworld Season 2, plus some very important breaking true crime updates. Joining me to dive into all that and a whole lot more is my true crime co-author, real-life husband, and sexy robot cowboy, Kevin Flynn. Hello, Kevin. Honey, ma'am. We should make it clear that you wrote that intro for yourself.
1: No, that isn't what I wrote. That's what I wrote. I wrote... Sex Robot Cowboy. Oh. Not Sexy
2: Robot. <laughs> okay. Also with us is the acclaimed novelist behind the City Trilogy and book club commissar, Toby Ball. Hello, Toby.
3: Hello, Rebecca.
2: And finally, playing understudy for our own Laura Bricker this week is the host of True Crime Obsessed and the Broadway Backstory podcasts. a man who would never confuse Alan Cumming with Pee Wee Herman, <laughs> Patrick Hines. Hello, Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, I
4: this is I I don't even know I can't even talk. I've been trying to find a cat of the week all day. <laughs>
2: we don't have one. Oh, that's
3: a lot of pressure.
4: We're Jeez. not doing that segment this week. We're not doing. I was it. like, I have to go to a general store or some sort of cornfield maze or like get a pumpkin of some kind. Like I just have to do something quaint, get some like pumpkin spice scented something, and just sit down.
2: Oh My God, <laughs> because it because there's so much lar bricker, you need to bake something. That's what you need to do. Oh
4: God, I just love that woman. <laughs> Moose chili. Yeah.
2: You need. To dump your husband Steve for a fireman? <laughs>
4: <laughs> fireman Ken. Woohoo. <laughs> it's just hot in
2: here. All right. First thing we need to take care of tonight. Kevin, can you please read this for me? Hate mail. That's right. We received a lot of hate mail after last week's episode. And
1: Is it hate mail or just for uh, corrections?
2: Um,. I like to call corrections hate mail. Can we just like lump it in? It's it's a neater title. I won't
4: stand for this. This is the best podcast on the internet. I'm not having (laughs) it.
2: I just want to say, I'm not going to read any of the hate mails. I'm just going to respond to them real quick. It rains a lot in Norway. Okay, I know that now. We have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) We have no idea how to pronounce Nicola, the name. No, it is not a common name in the United States. And yes, fine listeners of Crime Writers on, I do in fact know that Ireland is not part of the UK and that Scotland is, and I do know that England is actually a country. I also know that Alan Cumming is Scottish and that British is not an acceptable blanket term for people from the UK or Great Britain or the British Isles, for that matter. I'm sorry about all of that. What about limey?
1: Can you call them all (laughs) limey? I'm sorry about all of that.
2: (laughs) We record this live to tape, and when we're tired and drinking wine... Sometimes we say things that aren't 100% accurate, and that's uh, the way that's all that went yeah. down.
0: Yeah,
4: I will say, I composed and then deleted like four tweets about Pee Wee Herman and Alan <laughs> Cumming last week. And I was like, I can't come for Bricker. She's the only one I haven't gotten into a Broadway show yet. Yeah. <laughs> We're not, we got to just wait till we make that happen.
2: Yeah, and Bricker, and she will be the first one to admit, she is not like the most... And she always says this. She's always like, I'm just like a dummy from Vermont. It's like her always, like her excuse for not knowing things. But she definitely doesn't have like the, um, I mean, her her world of pop culture is relatively siloed. It's all British mysteries. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so
3: she should know where the Shetland is. Baking shows. Right, yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: And I think that's where it ends. I'm not a hundred, but was oh.
3: the Wild Men of Alaska? Or oh whatever. yes, oh, so Wild oh, Men of
2: Bushmen? Uh, Alaska. Bushmen. What was
4: it?
3: Bushmen. Bush, Bush, of Bush people. people. Bush people.
4: <laughs> if we were to lock Steve Tipton, my husband, and Laura Bricker in a room together, we'd probably never see either of them ever again. <laughs> <laughs> British like mysteries and baking shows. Are you kidding me? Steve, like <laughs> Steve and Laura, are like soulmates.
2: Yes, and well, there's all the whole thing too, where she likes to read books about detectives with cats solving cat mysteries. Remember that one? No. <laughs> <laughs> When we had our first book club podcast, and we were doing the vote for the book, I remember Toby was like, "I am not fucking talking about a book where a cat solves a
1: crime." <laughs> <laughs> uh. Oh, so um, now he's the commissar. You can pick whatever you want.
2: Exactly. So before right. before we get to our deep content this week, there's one other thing I want to do, and Toby, I want to do it for you. Are you ready? Nice yes all right kevin can you please read this for me
1: toby's boycotted Uh, podcast update
2: (laughs) (laughs) so toby last week you and and all of us talked about the new podcast death in ice valley and your take Uh, on it was that it was uh, i believe you said seven minutes of content stretched into a full half hour episode
1: Of cut-rate Enya music. Uh, With
2: cut-rate Enya (laughs) (laughs) backdrop. And then you uh, made it maybe tongue-in-cheek proposal that we could just recap for you the quick amount of content and future episodes of of Death and Ice Valley over a soundtrack of cut-rate Enya. I may have said that. Guess what, Toby Ball?
3: It's about to happen. Here it it? is.
2: (laughs) (laughs) This week on Death and Ice Valley, episode two, a case of clues alright it starts with that singing that Toby loves and there's a lot of rain then the podcasters <laughs> have decided on 1970 as being the year the body Estelle woman was found not 1971 as described in the previous episode also the two hosts pronounce Estelle differently from each other so I feel a little bit better about that then there's more rain. Then we hear from a crime novelist for his take on the story. He tells us that in the US, no one is 100% sure who killed President Kennedy. So I'm sure Toby would love him as an expert on this what? podcast. Actually, there's
1: some of us that are 100% <laughs> sure. All right.
2: Then okay. he ties the Ice Valley woman at the same level in crime as the killing of Kennedy. is says at the same level of mystery, and he suggests that Bergen is the right place to go to help solve this mystery, and we're like, duh, that's where we know the suitcases are. <laughs> so then the novelist explains how the luggage could get left at a train station back in the 70s, and then we hear about those suitcases which were checked in on November 3rd, six days before the body was found. Inside, the police found lots of stuff, disguised stuff, wigs, glasses with no correction, lots of different expensive clothes with no labels on anything. That was a very interesting Mm. 10 minutes of the podcast that could have been condensed to about 90 seconds. Um, They also found a notebook full of codes and a plastic bag, which led them somewhere. Uh, Needless to say, it was important. So, of course, they repeat all of that information from the last five minutes several times. (laughs) They also found a fingerprint, which matched the Eastall woman. There are a lot of sound effects and sound design in this section. Okay, then for some reason they keep talking to this novelist as a source. There's a lot of music. Then they get on a ferry, and there are a lot of ferry sounds. They go to a place called Stavanga, following a clue found in the suitcase uh, It's a shoe bag. There's a little geography lesson on the boat about the islands and the landscape. Then we meet the shoe shopkeeper, who apparently saw the Eastall woman alive and somehow remembers her and their whole shoe transaction half a century later. The shoe transaction? Yes, he has a lot of valuable information. He says she was good Looking, she spoke English, but it wasn't English, and she wasn't Norwegian, and she had a bad perfume smell and a lisp, and she had a gap in her two front teeth. What the? F- okay. And that leads us to a name. <laughs> There's a name, Vanilla sure. Lork. Vanilla. Vanilla Lork. Oh, fina- Lork.
1: Like
3: Vanilla Ice.
2: Cue more music. It
3: sounds like something from Austin Powers.
1: Tons
2: more music right here.
1: a lot of vagina.
2: Side note, I learned, yeah, exactly. everyone in Norway wears rubber boots all the time, and so do I, so they are my people, I learned listening to this uh-huh. episode. Okay, trip to the hotel where they know the Eastall woman stayed, more employees who remember a woman they met for a few minutes nearly 50 years ago, which invites the question, why do they all still have the same jobs that they had 15 years ago? <laughs> <laughs> they never explain that. Pays well. One of the says she was from Belgium. Then there's some speculation about fuel cans. Did the murderer bring them away from the scene? Is that proof of a murder? Also witnesses are showing the burnt lady photo. They all say it's super gross and scary. Murder cops are involved. There's more sound effects and music. Then some lady says she remembers the Eastall woman's signature... Almost fifty years oh, come later, on. I'm
1: full of shit.
2: And then she says, <laughs> apparently she stayed at the Stavanga Hotel for nine days, which is mysterious, but I'm not sure why. And then the episode ends with a tease for next week: could there be a second Izdall woman? And then the episode ends with more chorus music and rain.
1: So you okay. say to somebody, "The answer is no."
0: Yeah. <laughs>
3: There's no second Ysdal <laughs> woman. <laughs> it's also all these people remember it because it's just like this big mystery. So. Like they probably did interact with her, but in the course of all these years, they've probably blown up their interactions with her Mm. into something much bigger than it was. Yeah, And then you've got, (laughs) like, he doesn't think that Americans know who killed John F. Kennedy. No, he
2: says no one's 100% sure who killed John F. Kennedy. No one. Like
3: like 90% (laughs) of people are 100% sure. And then if he's like, that's the bar that he's, he's holding this. Unidentified ice woman yep. as being the same as murdering an an American president?
2: Yeah.
1: Here's the thing, I don't know. Toby, I'm I'm wondering this. They they go to some woman that and they say, Hey, do you remember this woman like from fifty years ago? And she says, Oh yeah uh, she had a gap in her tooth, and she smelled like cheap perfume. He was just, a man, yes. They're, they're just fucking with them, right?
2: No. Of yeah. course
1: I remember them. These
2: people say they remember. I'm just saying. He says I... that he describes it in detail. I'm just telling you what happened on the podcast. You didn't hear it for yourself. I did.
3: All right, Toby and Patrick. I, 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 do, I do legitimately think that if some ice woman had come by my office she and wasn't then disappeared, and become a big... <laughs> Big uh, mystery, I would probably like be like, oh yeah, that was kind of weird. Unfrozen frozen the ice cave woman? woman, woman.
2: <laughs> All I have to say is the fact that we're calling her the Ice Woman now. The podcast is called Death in Ice Valley. Uh, she's the East Doll woman. She was not the made East of Dahl ice. Woman. She's not like one of those X-Men. Who's East like, doll
3: is Norwegian for ice.
2: But she wasn't an ice woman, she's just a woman with a gap in her teeth. But you guys, what did they think of Shay? <laughs>
3: We'll like, did they that. think Shay was super
2: bossy
4: or no? <laughs> we'll get to that. Oh, no. oh sorry. sorry. Oh, no.
2: Yeah. So you're, you're, it sounds right. like, Toby, you're not interested in listening to episode three.
3: You know, I don't know. I, I could do one of these again. <laughs>
2: <laughs> me giving you the, or somebody, because I'm not sure I'm down Right, to we like, don't
3: necessarily have to do it for all the listeners out there. But right,
2: right. Okay, so I will perhaps-
3: that's my, that's my level of interest.
2: On weeks when I have time, um, listen to Death in Ice Valley and recap for you. Okay, now let's <laughs> move on. Uh, we have a big one of these to talk about. So go ahead, Kevin. Can you read this for me?
1: True, True crime, crime Update. update.
2: Huge news today, guys. Huge news. Um,
1: They found the Ice Woman? (laughs) No.
2: They didn't (laughs) find the Ice Woman. There was an arrest in the so-called Golden State Killer case. This, of course, was the rapist and murderer described by Michelle McNamara in her best-selling book, I'll Be Gone in the Dark, which, of course, was the topic of our very first Patreon, Toby's Toby Time Book Club podcast, which we released to all of our listeners for free today. But that's not why this was interesting. It's interesting because this decades-old case may have been solved. Patrick... I know you were following yeah. this very closely. Uh, what did you think of the news? Did you watch the press conference? What are your thoughts?
4: Okay. Can I tell you my honest first thought was, okay, he's got a name now. Can we never, ever again say Eurons? Yes. That was my first thought.
2: Terrible brand.
4: Horrible. Um, I, I I sort of skipped through the press conference. I, I watched as much of it as, as I could. I'm fascinated to learn more. I, I I feel like we haven't been given a ton of information. The thing that I'm really excited to know more about, just like having read Michelle McNamara's book I'm really curious about like the technical details like did he like you know remember that geo mapping that they did yes I want to know like how much of that stuff they got right so I'm really like I'm excited about like tomorrow's news when we get more
2: that's right now so the uh, suspect is Joseph James D'Angelo he's 72 years old Interestingly, he did serve as a local police officer for Mm. three years during um, this string of rapes and burglaries, and he was uh, made to leave the police department after he was arrested for shoplifting, refused to have a hearing, just sort of, I guess, gave up. But one of the things that he was uh, caught shoplifting was dog repellent. And we know that in the timeline of the cases, the Golden State Killer killed a dog shortly after this shoplifting arrest. So we do know that the Golden State Killer was concerned about dogs and that this guy who was arrested today um, also was apparently concerned about dogs. Kevin, what do you think? I know you did some reading on the press conference and so forth. And by the way, full disclosure, I couldn't watch it because I was taping another podcast when it was on, which broke my heart. So I asked you to look into it. What did you learn?
1: Well, like you said, you know, this is one of those things and it reminded me of... In the Dark, season one, where their their thesis statement is there are no such things as cold cases, just failed investigations. Yeah. And when it started with the Jacob Wetterling press conference, you know, she described a scene of, of police officers patting themselves on the back yep. for, you know, we never gave up after 30 years. It's been 30 years of long, hard work. And there was some of that again. A lot of today. that. Now, I think it would be wrong to say if it were not for Michelle McNamara, there would never be an arrest in this case. Um, I think, you know, she she definitely can be credited for bringing public attention to this again. And pressure. And pressure. And, you know, I think that her investigative work was certainly, I think it'll bear out that there were some contributions uh, made to it, even if the police don't say they are. But, you know, the police officers were working on this. And, you know, to what extent could be argued. Real question. Yeah.
2: Have you ever heard in a press conference, police or law enforcement of any kind, give credit to an investigative reporter or journalist or media person no. for no, helping no, no, their no. investigation? No, no. It's not done. No, it's not done. It's not done. So even if I think she had- because, I mean, they
1: do a legitimate work and they're defensive of that too. Right. But also, look at, there's also, you have to look at the long game, which talks about prosecution. Right. And then, like, are you suddenly going to hold, are you still going to uh, give the defense- um, something that they can argue, saying, "Oh, you relied on something you got out of a book, to, right? F- to find, to you know, to frame my client, I or mean, maybe one some of, of the that cops, too. but
2: maybe one of the cops she was talking to with whom she shared information, right. like yeah. spread it around the investigative team. Yeah. We don't know. What was the break?
4: Like, why was the arrest made when it was made? Like, what what broke it? DNA. Opened?
3: Oh, well, it really was DNA. Yeah, it
4: That's, hadn't been yeah. tested. When did like when did they decide to test this particular DNA?
2: That's not clear yet. I don't think. Right? Okay.
3: Yeah, I, I hadn't heard.
2: Yeah. So Toby, what are your thoughts at this point? And when do you when you heard this case, there had been arrested in this case. What would you think?
3: Well, I basically what Patrick just asked was like, what suddenly led to them figuring this guy? And I guess it was DNA. I honestly I saw the headline and I like read like a one or two paragraph thing. Right. I guess when it first broke. So I don't know a ton about what happened. But he wasn't Anybody who was like touched on in the book was he?
2: No, but there was a lot of speculation in the book about whether or not he was a cop. Remember the, um, right. you know, there was that the rapist slash killer would tell people to freeze. He had that big flashlight. Right. He was really familiar with the neighborhoods. People said that he like moved like a cop. He sort of had understanding of the community like a cop would. You know, those, those like those like the two big theories were either cop or property developer slash pilot. Those were like the two. Big yeah, theories I was going to say
4: I'm happy to put the pilot theory to bed. That was a little out there for me.
2: It was, but. I liked it. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Owls. Listen, Toby, uh, I have I learned a, a lot. I was,
3: I was mostly surprised it
4: wasn't an owl. You guys, it's an honor just to have the owl conversation with you on this podcast. I, know. I, I have, I have learned a
2: lot about the doctrine of chances. Which was used in the Peterson case and which was used in the case that's currently being covered on undisclosed. The doctor of chances being that a legal theory in which like if something weird happened to you once and then something weird happened to you again, like the process, you're going to be like, what are the chances that this would happen twice? That you
1: married a psycho.
2: Exactly. So it's a kind of and and it was used in the Peterson case and that's going to come out more, Mm -hmm. I think. But... Uh, We all know, Toby, that you think that uh, Michael Peterson did it and an owl didn't. We get it, Toby. We get it.
3: (laughs) (laughs) It's not that I think Michael Peterson did it as much as I pretty sure that an owl did not i
4: i mean i gotta tell you i love a conspiracy theory like i was gonna keep my mouth shut i'm the one percent who doesn't like the whole jfk thing i was like wait why are we all so definitive all of a sudden <laughs> um i i love a good conspiracy theory i don't think that queen did it uh i think the blowpoke thing was a lot yeah i know i, I mean, rebecca you and i have had like endless conversations about this and i love i love talking about the owl theory i i, I mean i i, I don't want to get in the middle of anybody's conversation but i i think the owl theory is a possibility.
2: I do too. What do you think, Kevin? Like on the record once again, owl theory or not?
1: uh It's intriguing. Yes, I could. I, I would like to study that a little further.
2: Once again, it's three against one. Yeah, uh, team owl. <laughs>
0: team
1: owl. I'm so scared
4: of getting in trouble on this podcast. Can you tell why? Uh, I don't know because I love you guys so much. This is like me sitting in a room having a conversation with like Julia Roberts, George Clooney, and I don't know who Patty else is famous and handsome. Yeah, exa- thank you. Which
2: yeah. one am I? Patty pop for sure. <laughs> I knew oh it. Oh my god.
1: Toby's uh George Clooney. <laughs>
4: <laughs> that makes uh, you Julia Roberts, Kevin.
1: Oh, super. <laughs> <laughs> what can I say? I'm thrilled. It's
2: your long doe-like legs. <laughs> it
1: must be. <laughs> it must be. So Golden State Killer everybody. We're uh yeah, we're it's, happy. It's, we're happy, it's of course. Still developing. I feel like
4: it's early days. I just want more information. It's like whenever there's like Trump news, I always like scroll into my podcast to see like the emergency podcasts. I just want more new. I wanted. I just want to know more.
2: Yeah, and that's the thing. I think that people who listen to this show, they were tweeting to us today, and they were saying like, "You have to do something on this." And I'm like, "There's not a lot for us to do. Like, we don't really right. know anything yet. Something might come <laughs> what out are we tomorrow. Supposed to do? I speculate. I
0: s-
4: <laughs> we just Get speculate. on a plane. I just have to say one more time. I listened to the audiobook. And so I had to hear that that poor woman say the word earons yes. eight thousand times. I'm just so glad we have a name.
2: Patrick, that reminds me of something else about this suspect. What? There's one way, another way that they can check yes, whether or not he's the real guy.
3: What? Patrick. Uh, it involves a strip search.
2: <laughs> oh yeah.
4: This poor man, okay, I'm not, I strike that, take that back. He's a horrible person who deserves everything he has coming to him. But this guy, was it just me or did Michelle McNamara have to refer to his small penis 800 times yes. over the course of the writing of the book? It was like this this guy's has a very small penis, you guys. Like yeah. I, as if it were not obvious. And
2: now we know.
1: That's one sketch artist rendering I never saw.
2: Yeah. No, but it is true. Kevin, I know you didn't read the book, but like many, many, many of this guy's victims, like they would characterize him in different ways physically. Some of them would say he was like puffy, and some of them would say he was lean, and some of them would say he was tall, and some of them would say he was short, some of them would say he was blonde, some of them would say he's brunette. Everyone said he had a tiny penis. Every single one. Oh,
4: <laughs> I also, like, now that we have a face to go with it, I'm, like, playing back some of the other scenes about, like, how he'd get, like, super girly and be like, don't shoot me, officer. Yes. Or, like... Him on the bike, like riding away. Like it's it's so interesting now that you have a face to put on this guy, all of these like it's you know, when you when you would see those pictures of the you know, of this the sketches with him with the ski mask on, it's so terrifying. But then now that like he's unmasked, he just looks like a stupid, puffy old man with a small peen (laughs) You know what I mean? Go ride in jail, jerk.
2: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. Well that's I think all we can say about it at this point. Really? Maybe some huge news will break between now and when this podcast drops and we have to cut this whole section.
1: It it has happened. He's
2: been exonerated. It has (laughs) happened. It has, in fact, happened. All right. So let's move on. Um, I really want to talk briefly about the first episode of a show we talked about last year. We're going to give our first impressions of the new season of the HBO smash hit Westworld.
4: I dreamt I was on an ocean.
0: You... And the others on the distant shore. Were you with us? No. What's it mean? Dreams don't mean anything, Dolores. That answer doesn't seem to satisfy you.
3: Because it's not completely honest.
2: In 2016, when season one finished, we talked about Westworld's themes of free will, the God complex, unreliable timelines, man's inhumanity, and the power of storytelling. And we talked about a lot of robot sex. Last (laughs) week, the HBO series returned and we got to see the aftermath of the robot revolution and that Delos Incorporated has at least five more parks for us to explore. All right. So... Patrick, you were kind enough to watch the season premiere of season two of Westworld for us, but you've never seen the show before. (laughs) So, Patrick, with no context, do you have questions for us about what you saw in Westworld or observations that you would like to share? Well,
4: okay, so I'm not like I mean, I live in the world, so I've heard people talk about it. I've seen (laughs) stuff about this on Facebook, but like. I I guess my theory, and my husband Steve and I were talking about this, like, there's just no way that with all of these gorgeous robots that that wouldn't just be a sex park. Right. I'm assuming
2: that, like, that's a sex park. That has to be what that is. It's actually a a rape and pillage park is kind of what it is. With cowboy hats. Yes. Perfect. Yes.
4: So I I also noticed this was a, this is a J.J. Abrams thing. Is that right? Yep. Mm Mm-hmm. I saw a lot of lost imagery. Yes. For sure. Absolutely. definitely like that whole thing on the beach was very reminiscent of the lost pilot and also there's a thing where there's a they go into this room where I think there's usually like a model of the park or whatever and there was just a dead Bear on top of it which was very lost To me yeah uh-huh. um, I, I guess I also have to say Jeffrey Wright the the Lead guy mm-hmm. he is Like totally a national treasure he's like a Broadway guy he's so he you know Was in the original Angels in America and won all The Tonys for it and he's the Acting is incredible I think Rebecca one of the Notes to you was like I would totally still hit Ed Harris I don't care if he's angel. <laughs> um, Oh I also wrote that Tandy Newton is like making me question my Very very strongly asserted homosexuality Yep yep, yep. But it seems fascinating. I mean, like, what? It seems like a very interesting idea. It seems very well done. It's like, I I was super into it. I I actually even felt like I could just keep going, like, without going back.
2: Well, one of the things, you know, Patrick mentioned Lost Kevin. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that's happening is, you know, we know who the characters are. Tandy Newton's robot character has had all these upgrades. So she can just talk like us. Like, she's no longer trapped in the Mm -hmm. Westworld character that her robot was. She's now like a modern person. But Dolores, even though she's had this evolution around her rebellion, still talks in riddles like one of the enlightened people from the others in Lost. And I find Dolores talking in riddles kind of infuriating. What do you think?
1: <laughs> you, you, pose that in the, you pose that question as a riddle. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, Dolores isn't the most interesting character to me. You know, I, I'm really intrigued by Bernard, Yep. you know, kind of modern day Pinocchio.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and you have, well, the man in black. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- that's really good. You know, he's really good. Dolores isn't my favorite, you know, but she's obviously, she is, th- you know, the figurehead of the robot revolution.
2: Yeah. And she also is a super good actress. Yeah, she is. Yeah, I
1: thought she was so interesting. Yeah, I actually great. loved that character.
2: Yeah, she's great. It was so- in that
1: that review, Rebecca, by the way, that you introduced the term face
2: acting face acting yes also otherwise known as <laughs> acting acting toby um <laughs> i know you have thoughts but can we just talk first about the scary ass white drone robot toby
3: which one is that
2: the one inside the little pod where the new CEO went of the chairman of the board with uh, Bernard when they were the down robot there that just like
3: it's white muscles.
2: Yes, it's just like tendons. I
3: think I, I think I may have given up at that point. Oh, really? Oh. So you're
2: out. You didn't enjoy this. No. Okay. Why not?
3: <laughs> I, I think it kind of runs into the same problem that uh, Stranger Things did, which is that after the first season, where you kind of the season is spent like trying to figure out what the deal is, and then it's kind of revealed. Uh, to you and there's some kind of resolution that you start up the next season. And it's like, okay, well, what are we going to do now? We've mm-hmm. got these characters and we've got this kind of world created. So what's the next thing to happen? I guess I was just watching. I probably watched the first 40 minutes mm-hmm. maybe mm-hmm. Um, to me. And maybe I didn't stick with it long enough or whatever, but it didn't seem like things were moving in like super interesting ways. Mm-hmm. I mean, part of it is I thought the best part of what I watched was the very opening scene where they're on the beach and, like, these humans are executing robots, like, one after another. And the only person who's having any kind of emotional reaction to it is another robot, right, Bernard. Right. So I thought that was, like, a pretty interesting scene and, like, kind of was in keeping with some of the themes of, the, of, of season one. But then after that, it sort of became more of like an adventure mm-hmm. type thing with like robots being mean to humans yep. and, you know, some humans realizing that suddenly is like, oh, OK, well, it's not safe here anymore. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I just at that point, I got a little I don't know if discouraged is the right word, but I was like, you know, I don't know if I want to spend the next 20 minutes of my life watching more of this. Uh, but maybe I'll be convinced to go mm. back to it.
2: So it sounds like he's out for now. Kevin, I do have one concern that I wanted to raise with you. Yeah. As a huge Star Wars fan.
3: Yeah.
2: Uh, do you remember in the first movie in the rebooted Star Wars franchise?
1: Uh, you mean the, uh, the in the first prequel?
2: Yes. Yeah. Do you remember the backdrop of conflict being about taxes?
1: Yeah, that was kind of stupid. <laughs>
2: It's kind of how I feel about the IP conversation (laughs) in Westworld. The idea that there's like this a corporate IP battle and this like corporate intrigue. I think that's
1: I think that's kind of a MacGuffin. I think it's just an idea. It's it's something there to 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 add some stakes. To why this is important to to keep these robots going. And keep this park together. Yeah.
3: But that's the best you can come up with. Yeah, it's I exactly mean, the same. Well, what same else do it? they have? You're spending millions of dollars on this. It's
2: literally mm-hmm. the same thing they did in Jurassic Park and all the movies. Was that like this is an important and valuable invention that we have to preserve? So even though it, it kills people, let's like make sure that, you know what I mean? It's the same exactly. Well, see, so you
1: want us, we want the viewers to value the quote unquote life and quote unquote soul yep. in the robots. Yes. But uh, the value system of the bad guys, i.e., Delos, International, whatever they are, they're not in it for the battle of the soul right. and and humanity of the robots. You have to give them something else to motivate them. Intellectual to understand. property is the thing. And what,
2: yeah, money, right.
1: money, and that's that's what that is. They're all they're all money bags.
2: Uh, Patrick, I have a question for you. You sent me a note that I want to just follow up on. Oh, no. All the wrong people are getting naked. What do you mean by that?
4: (laughs) Well, to be completely honest, that guy that gets like full frontal, I was like, he is so cute. And then he started getting undressed and like it just got worse with every (laughs) article of clothing that came off. I was like, no. Oh, God, no. Oh, God, no. But we
1: know he's not the Golden State Killer. Yeah, that's true.
4: But like, give me some James Marsden. Give me nine thousand year old Ed Harris. Yep. Give me Anthony Hopkins. Whatever. Yeah. Like these women are so gorgeous. The, the, everyone on this show is so gorgeous. The other thing too that I took issue with was like the sweeping shots of the of the, these men drinking whiskey straight from the bottle. Yeah. Seen anybody do that? I don't care how many of your like hot robot friends have been murdered, nobody does that. <laughs> there are glasses all over the place, nobody yeah. swigs it from the bottle and doesn't gag. I'm yeah. sorry.
2: So, Kevin, question for you, yeah, how do we get Toby back into watching Westworld season two?
1: Um, I think we have to uh add cheap Enya music mm-hmm. and uh, cut rate Enya, cut Enya rate, music, Enya music. <laughs> and it would be cut rate like Willie Nelson or. Yeah. You know, uh, Dolly Tank, Will, yeah, Hank Williams. Yeah, some, some something uh, country western. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, so you
3: think cut rate Willie Nelson is going to get me back into the could show? be.
1: <laughs> <Could it>. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I, don't right. know. So I would thought, love I to
4: know what cut rate Willie Nelson sounds like.
2: The right people getting <laughs> it, it, naked.
1: Yeah, it ain't gonna be good. <laughs> I think you need robot basketball players. Robot
2: basketball. The, yeah, that
1: might that might be a good start. Yes. He'll do that. He'll do that. It's an interesting world. It's you know I'm still fascinated by it. And the thing that really is interesting is like how they work out like the logistics yeah. in the story, yeah. about how they get robots back and forth. Yeah, you know those robots take a lot of abuse and they have to repair them. Yes, and it's it's such a pain to get those guys out there to, to repair the robots. yes <laughs> Because
2: <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Where's this going? It's, <laughs> it's yes? I feel it's... like I'm about to hear
4: an ad transition. I'm so
2: excited. Yes.
1: Are we? It's it's too bad they didn't they couldn't just call yourmechanic.com.
4: <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my god, this is so exciting.
1: And Patrick, I don't know why you're so excited. I know you don't have a car. Yeah. But if you did, can you imagine what a pain it would be to have to sit around the garage, take time off from work just to get your oil changed or your tires rotated? Dude,
3: you don't you don't need a car to need a mechanic. <laughs> Truer words were never spoken to me.
1: Oh <laughs> well, let's talk about this service called yourmechanic.com. Yes, they send but. the mechanic right to your home or your office and they'll take care of whatever needs you have you need an oil change you want new wiper blades do you have do you need um, you know brakes repaired? Yep. they will do that your mechanic will give you a quote right up front yes and that is the actual price Excellent. you pay and they'll even show you what you know it could cost you if you went repair someplace else so you have some comparison and they'll back up their service with a 12,000 mile 12month 12 Warranty. Plus, if you want, they'll give you full background checks on their mechanics so oh, you can see their professional good. references. Yep. So folks, if your car won't start, you got the check engine light on, maybe you need a brake job, what you do is call today to schedule your appointment at yourmechanic.com slash crime. Crime. And a mechanic will come to your home or office and for a limited time you can get twenty dollars off your first service. So that's yourmechanic.com slash crime or you can call one-eight hundred-seven six two. Three zero For $20 off your first service, yourmechanic.com slash crime.
2: Crime. <laughs> what else you got, Kevin?
1: <laughs> well, when it comes to buying wine, most of our choices are just made out of habit, right? You know, you get uh, that label again and that kind of one, and I liked a Merlot, so I'm going to get a Merlot again. And it's kind of hard to, like, mix it up. So why go sideways? When you can go with First oh. Leaf. Ooh. First Leaf is the new online wine club that's putting a stop to boring wine buying. Nice. And it uses your own reviews mm. to make personalized wine selections to match your tastes. Now, Laura Bricker is very upset that you can't be here to talk about First Leaf. I bet. But we've done this. You basically start by going online and you answer three quick questions about your wine drinking preferences. And, and then they're going to start you off with an introductory three-wine pack. And those bottles usually go for, like, 20 bucks a piece. It's just $5 each. Very fine wine.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then you review those bottles of wine, and it, it figures out, okay, you like something that, that has, you know, Oh, a it's like an algorithm,
2: crisp. like a yes. smart algorithm.
1: It is. It's like the same thing that gets Pandora that lets you know that you like the Beatles but not or like the Rolling like their audio
2: book service.
1: Exactly. They know
2: what you're going to like based on what you like.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And they're refining this. You're always getting... The wine that you like and you never have to worry about spending money on a bad bottle of wine because they guarantee you'll love the wine that you buy or they will give you your money back the more wine you taste and rate the better they customize your box so try first leaf club where buying great wine is simple. To get your three-pack of introductory wine for only $15, go to tryfirstleaf.com slash crime. That's three wines for only $15 on your first order at tryfirstleaf.com slash crime. Crime. Experience First Leaf today at tryfirstleaf.com slash crime.
2: Crime. Patrick, was that fun for you to be here for an ad break? I can't even tell you. Like, I feel like I'm a, an extra
4: on a TV show that I've loved for years. Really? I'm like suddenly in the world. Mm. The Kevin. Like commercial transition? Are you kidding me? This is this is all of this is amazing. It's
2: very exciting for you, huh? I a will say babies. the other thing
4: that's a little hard to get used to is um hearing this pre like the sound effects. So when he says things like true crime update and there's no echo, I have to just do it with my own ears. Yes. And, but I'm making it happen. It's a this is all incredible. That's okay. It's a very it's a peek behind the curtain.
2: And now you know how much sophisticated post-production goes into this podcast. Right.
4: Meanwhile, I can't figure out how to turn down my gain. I don't even know how many knobs <laughs> my my microphone has.
2: Oh, God. It's right. going great, guys. Here we go. Moving on. Gimlet's new hit podcast, The Habitat. The series follows six volunteers simulating a Mars mission by being cooped up together in one small dome-shaped shelter for a year.
4: This
0: is
3: absolutely the weirdest landscape I've ever
0: seen.
3: <laughs> <laughs> this is one of the few places on Earth that you can get pretty close to actually physically being on Mars without being on Mars.
4: We're so damn close to that dream now, we can almost taste it. Soon, maybe very soon, we could be sending the first humans to Mars. But before we take some people and send them hurtling through space to a desolate planet where they'll have only each other for company,
3: we need to know, will they survive the trip? And will they survive
2: each other? The would-be astronauts are not conducting scientific studies. They are the test subjects in seeing, quite frankly, whether they would get on each other's nerves if sent to a new planet. We will be talking about major plot points in the habitat. So if you don't want it spoiled for you, jump ahead to our reviews. The time code for those is listed in the show notes. I want to talk about some production stuff first before before we get into bigger ideas that I know we feel differently about. Okay. Can we agree? <laughs> sure. Sure. The choice to drop all 7 episodes of The Habitat as a binge. It's happening more and more with podcasts, especially these premier podcasts. I think it's probably driven by business stuff, but I'm not sure. I'd like to know what you guys think of this trend. Patrick, I'm going to start with you. I mean, I literally
4: think they did this because it's complete garbage and they knew that nobody would come (laughs) back for Uh the week two. Like, it's the (laughs) worst podcast ever made, and I think that if they didn't drop all seven episodes at once, nobody would. I really, really believe that that's why they did it.
2: I actually don't think that's why they did it. I think they thought this was great and that it was bingeable, and I think they made the business choice. I believe that ads are digitally inserted in this show, I believe they have a first run flight of ad sales that they can sell all of them at very, very, very top dollar. And then I bet if you listen to this podcast in two months, all the ads will be different. It'll be the second flight of- of, There won't
1: be any Quip toothbrushes? There
2: might be, but they might be differently placed. It'll sort of be like the first flight, second flight, third flight. And I think when you have all seven at once, you can sell it as a- package that's my guess can i say just one more thing yeah
4: if people are still talking about this garbage podcast in two months i will be literally shocked
2: man you're coming (laughs) in strong he's coming in hot yeah toby what do you think of this like all seven episodes available at one time it's a different kind of experience than we're used to these sort of episodic week to week uh listening experiences
3: uh, for this garbage podcast, it's just <laughs> they know I don't know. I mean, I I sort of felt I, I think more like Patrick in that I, I was like, fuck, I got to listen to four more of these things. Mm. I don't know what to say. I'm like surprised that at the end, like this was their finished product, and I'm even more surprised that it's number one on the podcast charts. Mm-hmm. What this really may be is like one of those experiments where they say it's about one thing, but it's actually about another. And this is maybe just about the power of marketing and podcasts Mm -hmm. is that you can like put out something that's just sort of like. eh, Yeah. And if you market it enough, it'll be number one. Mm.
2: Well, Kevin, can I talk about something positive with you for a second? Yeah, We just pivot to you because I know that you really like this podcast. Show your hand now. Yeah, I liked it. Yeah, you show your hand now because then they'll know that not everybody feels the way they do. Okay. The sound design in the show, uh-huh. perfect. Yeah, I think it was
1: great. It I sense. love the music design.
2: Music design, perfect.
1: I mean, the Morgan Freeman thing was kind of- Terrible. Cra- terrible. But the doo-wop <laughs> song was yep. fabulous. I laughed a lot. just- I enjoyed that.
2: The quality of the production. Oh, like, yeah. Gimlet does it better than anybody else.
1: Considering they just handed these, I'm going to call them astronauts- these these fake astronauts a tape recorder and said, Okay, uh, you know, have at it and they didn't mess that up? Yeah. Uh, You know, I think uh, it's pretty good.
2: So let's move on because the thing that I think is the thing here that we are disagreeing about as a group.
1: We all listen to the wrong podcast. No,
2: (laughs) is that um, after a pretty in-depth episode one Mm -hmm. that featured the person running the experiment that talked about some of the underlying principles of the experiment and that talked about why Lynn got into telling this story and sort of what the process was. Uh After that episode, this podcast basically turns into Real World or Big Brother.
4: Yeah. Yeah. And so... Here's the thing. Like, I'm a huge Survivor fan, but I love Survivor because I love the drama. My husband made this great point that I thought was really accurate, which was they had a choice. They could have made a really interesting science podcast or they Mm -hmm. could have gone for a podcast that was about human drama. And there was and I'm sorry not to steal Kevin's line that I love the most more than anything in the world. But like there's there was just no there there on that on that front. Right. Like, remember at the end of the podcast when we go back to the scientist and she's telling us about all like the saliva samples and all of the urine samples and all of the hair samples. I would have loved if she had been in every single episode. Like there's a really interesting science podcast here, but they totally didn't go for that. They went for something. They went for something dramatic that they just didn't get.
2: I am 100% with you. To me, I don't understand that choice. This was a science experiment. And there was one science moment, like in episode two, when she has the adorable French guy giving the tour of the dome, which is super great. And then mm-hmm. she has him get in the shower and she's like, let me tell you about the science for as long as it takes while he's in the shower. Yes. And then yes. she's about to tell us this fact about what they do with recycled mice pee on the International Space Station. And then in the middle of that sentence, the shower cuts off. And just to be cute, they don't tell us. And I'm like, that's why I'm here. I mm-hmm. want to know about the recycled mouse pee on the International Space Station. Do you? I want to know. Totally about why this experiment exists and what the factors are. And I want to know the the reasons for those factors. I feel like you could have the human drama. Why can't you also have the science? Well, I think you
4: actually can't have the human drama because what you did was get six really responsible people who were really committed to the mission sign up to do this thing they knew was going to be like all, all of those elements of it were going to be awful and they just decided not to care about that. Mm-hmm. So like you can't actually have the drama because these people were intentionally not creating drama like this wasn't a prize for a million dollars this was a science experiment you know right and they and it felt almost condescending that we were being like you know when they were she was trying to needle them about their relationships and who's sleeping with who and who's dating who and they didn't want to talk about it because they were responsible grown-ups who had signed up to do a thing that they were there to do
2: well let's talk about the characters then because this is another issue we get hints of who these six people are Toby but the show focuses on them being like this thesis statement we get at the beginning is that these are all strong, successful athletes. And we're going to put them in a thing together. And you know, that's going to be difficult for these like strong, successful athletes. But then throughout the show, we get glimpses that there's more depth there. They're scientists, they're doctors. They've been on these missions before. They have reasons They some of them want to be astronauts or aspiring astronauts. So you know, there's depth and talent there. There's only six of them. You've written novels, you know, that's not a ton of characters to like build enough where you could just say them by name and who they are and like you know there's a lot there. Do you feel like there was a superficial treatment of these people uh, as they were shown before the experiment and then throughout the series?
3: Yeah I mean I think the whole thing was it was hard because like nobody really wanted to talk uh, too bluntly about anybody else. You know there's that one weird part where they're all like sort of there's somebody they all hate and nobody really wants to go into it too much, but it, but it's Shay. And then they talk about it a little bit and you know, people don't want to talk about it, whether they hooked up or... Like you kind of get a sense from them talking, but to be honest, like the thing that really stuck out was like, okay, the people with the funny accents, I can kind of keep track of who's who.
2: Cyprian and Christiana?
3: Yeah, but again, I maybe I wasn't like as focused as I should have been like I wasn't like sitting in a century deprivation tank with headphones on <laughs> but when I was done listening to it I was thinking what what just happened which leads to the question is like what would be like if I was like all right I'm going to make they're going to do this like biodome project and I'm going to make a podcast about it what is going to be interesting about this mm-hmm. like wh- what do I want to focus and and we and you guys are kind of getting to the same thing and like, who hooks up with whom is not that high on my list mm-hmm. of what's interesting. The fact that people get on each other's nerves, it's like, yeah, of course they do. You know, I mean, that's just, that's inevitable. I guess there was nothing in the in the podcast that I was like, huh, that's weird. You know, everything was like, oh, yeah, of course it would be like that. Of course it would be like that. You know, of course people are going to hook up. Of course people are going to piss each other off. You know, of course they're, you're going to go through some hardships like taking, you know, 90-second showers or whatever. <laughs> Like all, all that stuff, none of it seemed like very revelatory. So I think, I, I, again, like you guys were saying, like if you look at it, you're like, well, actually the science of it might be interesting. And I, I don't know if you can get closer to what it'd be like to be on a thing like this in in Mars. But the reality is, you know, if they want to, they can walk outside and take off their suits and walk away. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not actually the sense of like complete claustrophobia is not there. Like you'd be like if you're on Mars and like, you literally cannot walk away from this. And that to me seems like that's adding like exponential stress onto these relationships.
2: I think the closest they got to being, more than that. And, tra- and talking about, I mean, because th- the experiment really, I mean, she does lay it out. The, there is data. They're collecting samples. They're doing all this stuff with the people. But there is also the psychological experiment. I think that the one that the show chose to focus on, the the getting along, the potential romances, I don't think that was the right choice. I think it got the closest to being the right choice when they did the episode about Cyprian finding out about the news from Paris. Kevin, what did you think about that ep- that episode, and and what do you think about you know this choice to focus on you know this part of the human experiment rather than the other parts of the human experiment?
1: Well, I actually think that that part of the human experiment is the only one that's sort of interesting, and I think it's the one that we would listen to. I mean, I, I don't know if this would a podcast about what happens to their urine after twelve months, it, whether that's something that would really um, be the thing we'd want to do. There was a whole
2: lot of scatological uh, stuff in Well, there was- Way too much. Well, look, you know- Farting, pooping.
1: Oh, the farting. I can't. I can't, you guys. (laughs) All right, right, I'm going to start with something, and and I'm going somewhere with this. Okay. so you talk about the, uh, you know, the the, the toilet that overflows, right? And that leads into a discussion about, well, you know, here's Apollo 10, and there's a turd floating through the air, and they right. That was and interesting, throw, yeah. right, that was inter- right? So for for every time where they, and this isn't a perfect podcast, so I I, I can I can give some criticisms. You know, um, for every time when there's some. Anecdote in an episode, and it's okay. Uh, the communications breakdown, or it's about you know they they end up like either tying it to a story, like you know the 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 France uh, attacks tied to the you know the guy in the in the the space station during nine eleven, right? They find some other tie to kind of like what's going on, and then on occasion they talk to people from the lab or whatever that you would call the you know ground control, you know one of the psychologists or whatever. And have them comment on that. Now, I think that they, if they had done more of that and made those people more of the the discussion to give the play-by-play play about mm-hmm. what do you think is happening right. with this, you might feel a little bit more like the drama or lack of drama is more interesting right. to you right. than just sort of uh, being an audio diary right. of uh, my year
3: in a tiny house.
2: Right. That's what it is. It's my year <laughs> in a tiny house. In yeah. a stupid tiny but, house.
3: I mean, it seems like they could have woven in like at least some thoughts about how people in those situations, like the way their behaviors change or like predictions that were made yep. or some kind of theory yeah. Yeah. so that you're like, you, you have some kind of be like, Oh, okay. That makes sense. Or, Oh, that doesn't make sense. Or that was born out or this wasn't born out. Instead it's just not that interesting stuff happening. And part of it may be, I mean, they invested a year and probably quite a bit of money in having this thing that seemed like it would be super interesting. And then at the end, it's like, well, the thing in Paris happened and we had a French guy in there and then somebody got stuck in lava and then they didn't want to go outside anymore. So they yeah. wouldn't let anybody else go outside. Like those are the two things.
2: Well, but here's the thing that was disappointing about the Paris episode to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so they make that comparison between Cyprian and the dome and then that guy who was in the International Space Station when 9-11 happened. They don't talk to that guy. They just tell us about that guy. You know, I immediately jumped to Mark Kelly, the Mm. astronaut who was in Houston when his wife, Gabby Giffords, was shot in Arizona. And I remember that story about him having he was like in a a training Mm. thing in Houston and him thinking she was dead and feeling like and I've heard him talk about it. Like he, he was helpless. Like his, he was like there and he couldn't do anything. And he's a real life astronaut who they probably could have interviewed yeah. about that mindset. Yeah. You know, it he ends up being a lot about,
1: this ends up being a lot about, well, what does Lisa and the producers think might happen? And there are all these. These NASA experts who are there, who actually have legitimate theories, yeah, and they're interesting. They're, they're doing, they're trying to replicate experiments. Yes. The only time we heard anything like that is, is, oh, you know, around six months something happens. That was so
2: interesting. They must have
1: a lot of sort of of data. Or, or, why
2: didn't they tell us that at the point in the podcast when it would have been when it was right. six months? Is it point?
1: important that you had three men and three women? Yes, as opposed to four men and two women, right? Or like, why are you coming up with these different things, right? And like. Tell us about that. Right.
4: I think that as a podcast producer, if I were making this podcast and it was completely unknown, I would be making three podcasts. So I'd be making the science podcast. I'd be making the survivor podcast and I'd be making the whatever podcast. And then I would be then when it was over, I would decide what podcast this was. And it seems like they decided from the very beginning that they were making a survivor podcast. And so, yes, that's what I think. I think that all of that is missing. All of the there was no there was nothing there with the interpersonal stuff and but they then hadn't done any of those interviews along the way with the scientists with the NASA with the actual people that could tell us like what are you learning from this? I think one one of my favorite parts of this podcast was at the end we learned that they just they're just starting this all over again. Yeah. Where there's the guy who's talking about how he's expecting to make six or five new best friends. And it's like, oh we just happen to record this one but they're doing this over and over and over again. And so I think that, like, you know, they they should have gone into this not knowing what this podcast was going to be. And it seems like they decided what this podcast was going to be before they started making it.
2: I actually disagree with you. Uh, Lynn Levy was a reporter on Radiolab. And she has, like, real chops in digging deep into science stories in particular. She was a science reporter. I think this was decided these decisions were made to make it fluffier to make it more bingeable to make it sexier I believe that she gathered all this tape herself she was the one sending them questions getting things back I think she largely worked on this project independently maybe when she was doing other stuff and then she had all this tape this was 2016 that she got this tape this was not last year this was two years ago mm-hmm. I think that she had this great idea she got the tape maybe maybe or not Gimlet was attached to it at that point who knows who cares I think they shaped it into this. They thought this was the most interesting angle, the best angle. I think it was for a demographic. Because you know, I don't know if you guys noticed, the episodes are all almost exactly the same length. They're about mm-hmm. a half an hour. Mm-hmm. They're like sitcom length. Um, it's sort of like that format of podcasts. Like it's meant for, it's not super thoughtful. It has a super thoughtful premise, but it's not super thoughtful. It's very bingeable. For all the things I'm saying that I don't like about it, like I did listen to the whole thing in one day. I found it very listenable and like light and fluffy and bingeable. I think the choice was to make it less science, more light. And I, I feel like I hear it because I do feel like there are breadcrumbs of the deep stuff in there and other stories Lynn Levy has done. I've heard those things fleshed out and they weren't fleshed out here. And I feel like what we were left with was the decisions that were made by Whoever was overseeing it.
4: One of the things I love about Gimlet is that they take chances and they fail. You know, I think that like there's so many. I don't always agree with the shows that they cancel. I love that they make. You know, a, like I, there are shows that Gimlet has canceled for whatever reason that I thought were amazing that I wish were still on the air. I am so curious to know what when Alex Bloomberg sat down and listened to this this podcast made him say like yes, this is the thing we're going to put all of our Gimlet weight and money behind because this is this is our brand, this is who we are, and these are the kinds of stories we want to tell. I'm s I am I would love to ask him that question.
0: Yeah.
3: This is gonna sound flip, but it, I, I don't actually mean it that way. But I, it would have been helpful, I think, if they'd watched the the movie Biodome with Polly Shore. Uh, <laughs> instead because, of Space Camp. Oh Patrick loves <laughs> oh, Space Camp.
2: God. Don't go there. It's one
3: of my favorite movies of all time. <laughs> but I mean what they I mean the whole funny thing, I mean I, I don't even know if the movie's funny, but the whole setup is that two wacky guys go into, like, this exact same situation, the reason why that's a funny setup is because the people who are going to be there are, like, these kind of intense, serious, you know, people who are part of an experiment, and they need, like, wacky guys to come and, like, loosen them up. And I think that's kind of what ended up, you know, happening, is that you've got these these very purposeful people, and, you know, there's, you're not going to have... It's not, you know, Real Housewives of L.A. Mm. Or, or whatever... It's serious professional people put in a very constrained situation. And yeah, they get on each other's nerves. But does that really carry a podcast?
1: I got to tell you, it wouldn't take me six months to hate the person who brought a didgeridoo. That was
2: my question. Pop quiz. (laughs)
1: Jesus Christ. (laughs) The didgeridoo don't.
2: Who is the most annoying person to be in a dome with? Is it the dad joke guy, the ukulele guy? Or the didgeridoo lady.
4: It's dad joke, fart in the spacesuit, sit on you and fart on you, make the fart armpit thing contest. Get you th- hate that guy. I kept saying, can we please open that death door and let him die first?
3: <laughs> <laughs> so I would first say that if you're ever doing something like this, like one of the rules has to be no freaking musical instruments. Okay. Because- <laughs> right, of course. Of course. Because if that's going to be one of the things you bring, it's because you want to play it all the time and you're just going to drive people crazy. Yeah, sure. So that being said, and no no instruments will come into my biodome, the uh, the dad joke guy has to go. Okay. <laughs> Thank you.
2: I agree with dad joke Okay, now the second pop question. I'll
3: bring
1: bongos and a tambourine. <laughs>
3: yeah, exactly. A kazoo.
2: Second pop quiz question for you guys. Yeah. Team Shay, Team No Shay, Kevin, go.
1: Team No Shay. Why is that? Well, she seemed really kind of annoying. Although, although I don't know if I'd like Christiana. She seemed to be kind of kind of emo.
2: She likes sleeping in the finished winter. She likes a... super
1: cool rocks. <laughs> super
2: cool rocks. What do you think, Patrick? Team Shay? No team Shay. I mean, I married
4: Shay, so totally <laughs> team Shay. She's there <laughs> for the rules and to make everybody do their job and to like take it seriously and to get shit done. So to- yeah. 100% hashtag team Shay.
2: What do you think about her dietary judginess?
4: I'm 100% with her. Listen, if you stop eating the Oreos and start eating the banana smoothies, you won't have to fart in your spacesuit, and I won't have to hear about
1: it. Well, they have to recycle their but somebody can just drop them off some Cheetos I don't get that
2: <laughs> What are the rules
1: of this game
4: I know I'm uh, like listen I want Shay to be my friend in real life
3: I want to find her on Facebook
2: Toby what do you think Team Shay or Team No Shay
3: uh, It's a tough one I wish I knew what the alternative was Yeah I don't, I don't <sighs> like being food shamed Yeah that's kind of a downer yeah. in a biodome. But
0: in
4: fairness to Shay, like, I, did she say that to them or did she just say that to, to Lynn?
2: Oh, no. I think she said it to she them. She said it
4: to everybody. Yeah, she probably <laughs> did.
2: She's just yeah. like, they're farts. I can't
4: believe how much we talk about farts in this podcast. Yeah,
2: so much scatological stuff. I, I think it, my feelings about Shay is she's the person at work who's just really, really... She says it like I take it seriously. It's my job. I'm not friends with people that I work with. Right. Like that's her thing. I don't necessarily think that's who you would send to live on Mars with people for a year. Like everybody has to be the personality type that's more flexible. That's more like, yeah, I could be friends with people that I work with. I actually think that's a trait you look for.
4: I bought her whole thing at the end. Like when when Lynn says to her at at the exit interview in the end, like everybody hated you. And she was like, yeah, that wasn't necessarily my objective. But like people survive these missions because they have a common enemy. And if I had to be that common enemy, like I'm not saying that was my goal. But if that's what I was and they were all able to like rally against me. I mean, I think that there is value there.
2: All right. Well, um, I don't <laughs> think there's going to be much surprise here in our reviews about this uh, podcast, The Habitat. But I think it is time to do that. I mean, there was more about the story. Frankly, I have like 20 more questions about the storytelling style, the story, the I like that, the characters. I couldn't get to any of them. I think they were all bogarded by um, <laughs> farts, uh, farts, <laughs> yeah, I Cheetos, just... didgeridoos. And by the way, the worst thing about Shay is her insistence on calling her didgeridoo her digi. I found that. Super.
4: <laughs> I'm with you a million percent. It's on like that. those
2: people who call their ukulele the uke. I'm sorry. Uke. I just can't say what yes. it is. Say what it is. Yeah. The cello player does not say my cell. The guitar <laughs> players does not does not say my git. Like nobody does they that.
3: Said, they, they do say my axe.
2: Do they? They I don't, do <laughs> Do they? Yeah. Do the regular also, ones? Also, there's do that? no
4: chance in the world that if you play the didgeridoo, you don't know that it's annoying. Like you for sure know that. Everyone you've ever met has told you. If I
3: brought my clarinet,
2: <laughs> you call it my your penny Claire? whistle. <laughs> your penny whistle. You mean your pen? Yeah,
3: okay. <laughs> I okay. did picture that scene in an Animal House where uh, John Belushi grabs that guy's guitar and just smashes it against the wall. Yes. <laughs> Like I just was waiting for that to happen. Yes,
2: there is a reason why in Cards Against Humanity there's a card that says that douche with an acoustic acoustic guitar. guitar, Yes. All (laughs) right. So let's do that thing that we do. Let's go around the horn and just give our thumbs up, thumbs down review to the habitat from Gimlet, Patrick Hines. I'm gonna start with you.
4: Huge, huge thumbs down. I am so honored to get to offer a thumb up or down on this, and it's a huge thumb down. You guys, we didn't get to talk about space camp. It's the most amazing movie ever. I saw it like a hundred times when I was a kid, and go. watch it.
3: They mention it in this podcast.
2: Toby Paul, how about you? Thumbs up or thumbs down on The Habitat?
3: Uh, I give it a thumbs down. Mm. I think I've Explain myself pretty <laughs> clearly. <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to break format. Uh, sorry, Patrick Hines. I'm giving the Habitat a big old fat thumb sideways. No.
0: <laughs>
2: on the podcast? <laughs> oh, my God. I can't. Are you? Re- listen, it's fine Is for you to a, do, now do or it, to do traffic? it every week. One night only. One oh. night only. Bringing it back. I hope
4: Laura doesn't listen to this.
2: Here's why I'm giving it a thumb sideways. Are you ready for my argument? Yeah. I enjoyed listening to these podcasts. I enjoyed the experience of listening to it. I binged it all in one day and I was able to listen to it and I wanted to hear the next episode and I listened to the next episode. When it was all said and done, that is when my hate for it set in, my dissatisfaction, my upset with the product and the process and whatever it was that went into it. But I can't in good conscience (laughs) give a podcast I enjoyed listening to episode by episode a straight up thumbs down. I can't. I think about it like a TV show. That has lost its luster, but yet I still keep watching. And I'm going to make an, a, a comparison here. Kevin and I watched the show Unreal on Lifetime. Season one of Unreal was a perfect TV show. It was brilliant, it was funny, it was smart, it was dark, it was beautifully acted, beautifully produced. Season two was a train wreck. Season three continues to be a train wreck. We are still watching that damn show because it's fun to watch. And this podcast is like that for me. It's like modern family. It's still in our DVR after 74 years. It's not even good, yet we still watch it. That's how I feel about the Habitat. It is a big old fat thumb sideways. How about you, Kevin?
1: Uh, I'm a a thumbs up. I I agree with you. This is like uh, the dehydrated peaches that they've been eating. It's got some flavor. It's got nutrition. Not maybe not a lot of substance. Yeah, yeah. Um. I liked it. I liked the storytelling very much. It's questionable whether or not in the end we learned what the moral of the story was,
2: or learned anything,
1: or learned anything. What um,
2: happens to the mouse pee on the International Space Station? I, it's probably
1: best <laughs> that we don't know. But it, in the end, I kind of thought this was it. it was a, it was a good binge? Hey, you got six people crammed into a small space. And at the end, all these people come out of this little small space. And that reminds me, it's almost Mother's Day. (laughs) (laughs) This Mother's Day, show her how much you appreciate every job she does with this special limited-time offer from 1-800-Flowers.com. So look at it. that was we the have... best
4: one ever, Kevin. That was so good.
1: So right now, ahead of the Mother's Day rush, this is what one eight hundred flowers is going to do for our listeners. You can get twenty four multicolored roses for twenty four dollars. That's just a dollar per rose, and they've got great roses that come in a variety, a rainbow of colors, all guaranteed to show up fresh. They're picked from premier farms and shipped overnight to ensure freshness. It's a really, really an amazing offer. But you have to hurry up because it, it it expires soon. You just pick your delivery date, and 1-800-Flowers will handle the rest. So to order 24 stunning multicolored roses for only $29, go to 1-800-Flowers.com, click the radio icon, and enter code CRIME. That's 1-800-Flowers.com, code CRIME.
2: CRIME. What else you got, Kevin?
1: Well, can you imagine what the laundry must have been like when they left that habitat?
2: Full of farts? <laughs> Full of farts, yeah. <laughs> no. One of the first things that you'd
1: want to do, I think, is to get some clean socks. Yes. And that's why you would hurry up and order socks from Bombas. Good idea. They should do yes. that. Bombas are the most comfortable socks in the history of feet. I mean, how often do you think about your socks?
2: Uh all the time. Look, yeah, my Bombas right socks! <laughs> Look at that. Oh, those are great. I'm a fan of this product. Put your
1: foot up here. Put it so I can say okay. See this right here? Yes. This is the built-in blister tab. Love
2: that. My favorite, it's my favorite feature besides the arch support.
1: Yeah, here it is. It's squishy right here. It has yep. the stay-up technology. And look at this. You notice? This? There's no toe. No toe seam. It's seamless. Yep. They've got so many colors and patterns and styles. Bombas looks great at the gym or the office, the
2: habitat, the closet, the
1: closet. <laughs> any place that you want to go. Bombas are what your feet daydream about. I didn't know if he could daydream, but they do. Remember for every, like bomb- <laughs> <laughs> well, for every Bombas Well, for every Bombus purchase that you make, Bombus donates a pair to somebody in need, and they've don- donated over seven million pairs of socks. So That's keep great. cool, keep comfortable, keep contributing with the best socks in the history of feet. Bombus, buy your new socks at bombus.com slash crime and get twenty percent off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash crime for twenty percent off. Bombas.com slash crime.
2: Now it's time for a favorite part of this podcast, a little something I like to call, Patrick, want to say it with me? The crime, crime of, of the, the week. week. Chunk chunk.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we're doing like a make-a-wish for like some kid.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I'm for sure going to die tonight. That's absolutely oh going to happen. God. So
1: this is this is the best thing ever.
2: <laughs> Do you um, feel altru- altruistic?
1: Yeah. It's like we, you know, we send Patrick a t-shirt yes. and say, hey, little buddy. <laughs>
4: You spend one minute editing it. I'm you, you just email the sound file to me. Nobody else ever hears it. You're
2: like the Brady's buddies.
1: <laughs> totally.
2: Okay. All right. Well,
1: I'm just gonna say we used to do that when I was in TV. We would do the thing we call the magic microphone. Like when somebody is like really bugging you to like get on camera, and I <laughs> the camera guy would just turn. The, we'd hold the microphone and we wouldn't be recording it, and they would just, oh, it's so great. They walk away. Yes. A <laughs> magic microphone. Uh. That would totally work for me, by the way.
2: There is a serious crime wave in New Zealand, and it's been caused by a shortage of avocados. The shortage has created a black market for the savory green fruit. Avocados have been poached from the tree and are being sold to takers on Facebook. It's hard to be the owner of an avocado tree in New Zealand because you're constantly fighting off thieves. An Auckland couple had 200 avocados stolen in November and then spotted more suspicious activity last week. How do they know they
1: took 200? Uh, Did they count them before and then count them after?
2: avocado inventory. They say two older (laughs) men were striking the branches of their avocado trees with a long pole. The owner confronted the pair, took the 12-foot pole, and called the police.
1: Now we know that's not the Golden State Killer.
2: That's when the two men escaped riding off on a mobility scooter. A
1: mobility scooter.
2: Police were trying to identify the men in their 60s using surveillance video and... And fingerprints from the pole. So here's my question for you, panel. These avocado thieves are obviously some bad hombres. What is next on their mobility scooter crime spree? Patrick Hines, I'm going to start with you. Well,
4: I first just want to say that this is one of those things where it, it's an international couple, so they're referred to as partners. I was like, "Yes, gays." On <laughs> <laughs> um, um, God, the next thing I—I I don't know—I just have this like image in my head of this caper of like <laughs> one man, like the two guys on the on the scooter, and they're Running away, and one falls off, and he's running trying to catch up and get onto the scooter. I don't know. I don't have a whole lot of experience with mobility scooters, except for that my four year old loves them when she sees them in grocery stores.
2: All right. Well, Toby Ball, what do you think is going to be next on these two men's mobility scooter crime spree?
3: I I would guess somebody's (laughs) Dig.
2: Kevin, what about you? What's next for these two older gentlemen on their mobility scooter crime spray? Uh,
1: I think they're going to do some Tokyo Drift-style racing.
2: I think they're going to be uh, poaching some cilantro and some tomatoes. garlic and some tomatoes, perhaps, to make some mobility scooter guacamole. Perfect. I don't know, guys. That was some <laughs> low-hanging wonderful. fruit. Yeah, like
1: like
4: those avocados.
2: See what I did there?
4: I'm traumatized by like the amount of avocado we've had to deal with this season on Queer Eye. It's just been a lot. <laughs> and
2: hot dogs, randomly. Yeah. Hot dogs? <laughs>
4: That tracks. There's a Queer Eye hot dog joke in there somewhere. I just, I can't find it right now. I
2: don't think that old school Queer Eye would have ever showcased hot dogs. I'm just going to say that. <laughs> now, Patrick Hines, this is when Laura Bricker usually gives us her cat of the week. Is there anything else that you would like to pimp instead of a cat? It's You can plug away, Patrick. Just go ahead oh. and do it. You guys, I make 800 podcasts. So, um, we, I have a new podcast called my so-called
4: podcast, which is all about my so-called life. I make a true crime comedy podcast called True Crime Obsessed. We know uh, that's really it's fun, the best. And funny. Yeah, and and uh, I make a, a documentary-style Broadway podcast called Broadway Backstory that just lost a Webby Award. <laughs> so Aww. You can you know
2: check them all out. Well, Patrick, comments, kind of, people want to find you online? Maybe reach out to you and find out how they can listen to your many podcasts. Or learn more, as I would recommend they do, about your amazing husband, Steve. How can they Uh, find you?
4: You can find me on Twitter at Patrick Hines. It's H-I-N-D for David, S for Sam. Uh, You can find me on Instagram at Patrick Hines underscore. Or you can check out truecrimeobsessed.com for uh, my other true crime podcast.
2: And Toby Ball, if people want to reach out to you and uh, maybe berate you for not coming in as strong as Patrick Hines did on your hatred of the habitat, (laughs) how can they find you on Twitter?
3: Well first I, I, I do want to make a plug for uh, for Patrick's Broadway backstory two part series on Hamilton. Mm. Which oh, uh, thank you. is one of my favorite, you know, pieces of podcast work. Uh, it's it's super interesting. The theater is not like in my wheelhouse. Really? But we listened to it going down <laughs> to New York City when uh, Patrick got my daughter or my wife tickets to go and see Hamilton.
2: Don't tell people Patrick and get tickets to see Hamilton, Toby.
1: It's like finding out you have avocados in uh, in New Zealand.
3: It's really, it's, a, it's a fascinating story, uh, and it's really well put together.
1: That's great. When is that going to come out?
3: <laughs> that was, uh, and then uh, so if you want to check out, I actually posted a photo of my one eight hundred flowers uh, rose arrangement, mm-hmm. and you can catch it. that on. At Toei NH,
2: is one hundred flowers like giving us extra money this week or something?
3: It's <laughs> <laughs> not flowers just show up; <laughs> they're nice flowers.
2: And Kevin Flynn, how can people reach you online?
1: I'm at Kevin P. Flynn,
2: and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Reb Lavoy. You can tweet to our show at Crime Writers On, and join the fine folks on the official Crime Writers On Facebook discussion group, which I recommend. We have started a new thing where before every podcast, we are doing a little Facebook Live. It's really fun.
1: You can see the flowers.
2: You can support us at patreon.com slash partners in crime media to hear Toby's exclusive, uh, not this week, but usually exclusive book club <laughs> podcast oh, yeah. and also some more extra content. And for other exclusive ad free content, including ad free versions of these are their stories the law and order podcast that drop a week early
1: and married with podcast, our
2: spinoff show married with podcast, go to stitcher slash crime. Kevin, can you just like for a second say this week's episode of these are their stories the law and Order podcast? It's worth a listen for fans of this podcast. Would you not say that it is?
1: Uh, I would say that uh, the the voice of the guest might sound recognizable.
2: I would say that our listeners won't
1: be disappointed.
2: Exactly. All right. Go to our website to sign up for our newsletter. Our theme song was performed by Rocksteady Freddy and the New York Sky Jazz Ensemble, and this show was recorded in the yoga loft above the bodega in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi, studio, formerly known as Studio C, the closet in our basement where no one better fucking try to play a ukulele, harmonica, or didgeridoo. (laughs) But they can fart! But on behalf of all the crime writers, thanks so much for listening. We will catch you Later. later. The music. You turn him up just a little bit, Toby. Who? It's just Toby. Just Toby. Yeah. Toby's low.
1: You gotta stop. You got your pronouns. You're killing me. So There's him. Two I know it's
2: usually a him and a her. Right. Okay. We're still a him and a her. <laughs> are you ready, Toby?
0: Crime media.
2: Media. Meet Namely, the all-in-one HR, payroll, and benefits software employees love to use. Clock in, schedule a vacation, and more from your desk or on the go. Plus, use the social feed to share company news and give shout-outs for a job well done. Over 1,000 companies use Namely every day. Get a free demo by visiting Namely.com slash crime. That's Namely.com slash crime. Build a better workplace with Namely.